Hi, welcome back to Capitalize Your Fridays. I'm Taylor Dennis, Senior Wealth Design Specialist with Altius Financial. Senior Wealth Design Specialist and Vice President, right? Didn't we? Actually... Oh, yeah, and Vice President <laughs> of Altius Financial. <laughs> and I'm Michael Williams, Founder and President of Altius Financial, and I'm our podcast co host. Nice. So today we're going to get into vice investing, before, but before we go all into that, how about you cover our disclaimer? Vice investing. I'm excited about talking about that. Uh, this was your idea a little while ago, and I think it's a good one. So, okay. But first, you're right. We've got to have a disclaimer. Before we get into our discussion, we have to have a quick reminder that uh, anything we talk about, specific stocks or techniques or whatever might be, uh, are just for illustration purposes only. We are not giving specific advice to anybody you want to reach out to your financial team or even better to reach out to us if you want to find out more about what we think about your situation and what we might do in your shoes. These podcasts are meant to be a little bit educational, a little bit motivational, and hopefully some fun and entertaining too. But really, your situation is unique and it deserves special attention. So if you're looking for something, uh, you, you need advice right now, then reach out to us. Give Taylor a call or send her an email. Her email is taylor at altiusfinancial.com. You can reach me at michael at altiusfinancial.com or check out our website. We've got some great content there at altiusfinancial.com. That's A-L-T-I-U-S financial.com. Perfect. So I think you've, you probably got us covered on the disclaimer. For our listeners who've already been tuning into episodes, you probably heard our ESG podcast episode and you're probably thinking, okay, so what, they're comparing and contrasting? And I think in a sense we kind of are, but it, it's helpful to look at, well, what are different types of investments and how can those maybe be profitable, maybe be good, um, possibly be a good investment strategy for our listeners? So, Mike, let's start at the basics. I mean, what is vice investing? You know, it's uh, sometimes the whole idea of vice investing. In fact, there was a mutual fund I used years ago, uh, and the ticker was V-I-C-E-X. <laughs> a lot of mutual funds, their tickers are ending with an X, and this was Vicex or V-I-C-E-X. And basically, the guy who started the fund um, had done some studies on what performed well in all kinds of economic conditions. Um and he found that some of these certain kinds of stocks did well no matter what. Uh, think about it this way. And, and so never the word for vice is like sin, right? It's the sin stocks. So yeah. think about it this way. I mean, when people uh, are feeling good about the economy or their personal economy, they're, you know, no one really cares that much about the overall economy. They care about their own personal economy. But when they're feeling good, you know, do they celebrate? Yeah. Do they ever drink when they're celebrating? Yeah, definitely. Celebrating. But what if they feel pretty down and depressed about what's going on in their life? Oh, you've they... had a long day. Maybe you need a drink. <laughs> right. So th that's sort of the concept is that you know he found that there's certain kinds of companies that business models seem to do uh, well in good times or bad times. And alcohol is just one example. And whether you personally feel like alcohol is a sin or a vice – um, is not necessarily relevant, but it is. I mean, you know, when you and I think it was your idea to talk about vice stocks. We did talk about ESG, you know, environmental, social, and government stocks, or which I think is really kind of dangerous in terms of categorizing things that way. And I think it's dangerous, probably, to categorize stocks as sin stocks. I mean, there's there are definitely things. Uh, that people can invest in and companies that provide products that not everyone approves of. 
Yeah. I mean, I think if you asked maybe, and this is not hating on other cultures, but like maybe the Mormon community might say, you can't have iced tea. Like caffeine is bad. Right. You can't so is have that a, a sin stock? You know? is, is coffee a Lipton sin stock? Lipton is now a sin stock or, or Starbucks <laughs> yeah. is a sin stock. And that, that's a really good point, Taylor. I mean, so the, I mean, I have very strong views on, and I know you do as well. We, we both have uh, um, uh, strong backgrounds in how we were raised and we have very um, uh, clear ethics and morals. And sometimes there's really a lot of overlap in terms of ours and sometimes we disagree. Yeah. Um, and that's that's the wonderful thing about living in a free society. Um, so you might have judgments about these kinds of stocks or these kinds of companies or products, but are they things that people partake in? So the classic examples of sin stocks are, like I said, alcohol, uh, tobacco is another one. Um, those are things that, you know, do I want to profit off someone's habit? Do I want to profit off someone's, you know, uh, addiction, so to speak? Um, marijuana is now kind of considered in, in that kind of company. Uh, certainly gambling. Do I want to, do I want to invest in a company that provides gambling? You know, that's one of the interesting, I don't know, everyone who listens to the radio or watches TV anymore is inundated with these gambling. Uh, and it's partly because our legislatures, both at state levels and certainly the federal level have kind of opened that up and allowed, uh, more gambling online to become, uh, yeah. a business model and some of those business models are profitable and and so a person could invest in them or they could you know use the site to to gamble so gambling um adult entertainment quote uh porn those kinds of things um weapons firearms uh, oftentimes defense uh contractors are can be considered by some to be a uh, a sin stock you know does does someone approve of a company that makes large-scale uh, weapons of mass destruction, or maybe yeah. not even such large. You know, maybe they just make tanks. <laughs> maybe they're like Ford or somebody like make makes yeah. tanks. Um, yeah. So we all have our own uh, values. Hopefully, we're clear on those, and they're chosen. That's that's my my big thing. Is I think people obviously should honor their parents and honor how they were raised, but they should ultimately make a choice about what they believe is ethical and moral behavior and what's right for their life. Um, and sometimes it's a matter a matter of, you know, in what dose, right? I mean, yeah. I think most of our clients, I, I may be speaking out of line here, but I think most of our clients are probably, you know, think nah, a drink or two is not a bad thing Yeah. Uh, versus, you know, being a drunk, uh, being yeah. someone who's addicted to alcohol. Um but the idea of investing in these kinds of companies comes from the fact that they're, they offer popular products that lots of people will partake in and maybe partake in over the course of a multiple investment cycles or economic cycles. Um, and that's why they're oftentimes considered defensive stocks, meaning that you know, they can do well in inflationary times. They can do well in uh, recessions. They can do well in difficult time periods. Uh, that otherwise um, other companies might not be as profitable. Are there, so for some of our listeners who might be more novices to um, to the concept of defensive stocks and even stocks in general, I mean, are there defensive stocks that aren't necessarily vice stocks? Like, do you have to be a vice to then, to have that kind of level of protection? Well, and again- Or does it give you- Wall Street has these these categories- yeah. Uh, of cyclical or defensive or consumer growth or 
Um, there's all kinds of ways of carving up the economy and, and pigeonholing companies and their products. And it, and, it, and it has some usefulness to be able to say, well, this, you know, um, a, a classic example is trying to compare banking so- stocks to, say, for example, technology stocks. They're very different animals. And they uh, will oftentimes have different profit profiles and perform differently in, in uh, different economic cycles, different interest rate environments. Um, so there's some usefulness to say, no, financial banking stocks, those are different. High tech stocks, those are different. Tobacco stocks or defensive stocks, those are different. I don't, and I don't mean like defense, just defense contractors, but defensive like we've been talking about. You know, defensive as in they'll be more protective of a downturn, in a downturn, an economic downturn. Um, so, but no, there are, there are companies that are considered defensive stocks that are not necessarily quote unquote sin stocks that are really yeah. bad, right? Yeah. And there are companies that are in the food industry that might be considered defensive stocks and so forth. Um, but the big key is, you know, can a person enhance their portfolio by being in some of these stocks? Um, you know, again, as we've said in other podcast episodes, one of the most important things in looking at any investment is the valuation. I mean, and this may be repeating myself, but whenever you're looking at any investment, you should look at, first of all, the business itself. You know, so it is selling the selling of alcohol or firearms or tobacco or something like that. Is that a good business? Are there yeah. lots of customers? Well, yeah. there are. And then the second thing is, do you have good ethical long-term leadership? Now, that can be a question. If someone doesn't approve of the product itself, they might say, I, yeah, it's great. I think it's a great business. But how could someone even do that? You know? Yeah. Um, how, could, how could you have a CEO run a tobacco company? You know, that's just not ethical. But I mean, are they, you know, are they good stewards of capital? Are they, do they understand their business? Are they honest with their shareholders? Do they think like a shareholder and so forth? But ultimately, the third thing that's most important is the price. Are you paying too much or too little for that future stream of earnings that you're looking for? But these companies can be very profitable. And if they're priced right, we will likely take a look at them for our client portfolios. Now, the great thing, and, and, and you may want to talk about this because sometimes you're involved in the mechanics of making sure that I don't overstep <laughs> someone's value clarification for us, but we have the ability to um, basically lock certain kinds of stocks, either categories, whole industries, or uh, specific names, specific companies out of a client's portfolio. And then we try to optimize around those rules that they give us. And that's that's a great thing. That's a wonderful thing about the technology that we have at our disposal to build portfolios that are customized to a client's uh, value set. Yeah. So for instance, say someone says, hey, I really don't like firearms. Then we can make sure we're saying, hey, never, never buy Ruger, never buy American Outdoor brands. Um, I don't know. I'm, I can't think of any others at the top of my head. But. Well, it's interesting. There, there are fewer and fewer uh, actually American firearms makers. And that's, that's partly a result of just the industry and how it's consolidated in the, in the political environment. Um, I would make a point about politics. I mean, uh, you know, people know yeah. that we don't shy away from that topic. Uh, we don't try to preach too much, but we don't shy away from it. Um, sometimes people think when it's a heavily regulated industry and politicians are getting involved in it, that means it's going to be bad for the actual industry. And that can be the case, certainly. I mean, politicians and the regulatory environment can kill a business or a whole industry. Or it can actually kind of lay a floor and 
and help that industry. And, and a perfect example is tobacco. I mean, if people remember, uh, those have been around the block for a little bit, they remember there was a widespread class action lawsuit uh, from attorneys generals around the around the country. State attorneys generals got together, uh, you know, a large majority of them got together and said, we're going to su- sue the tobacco industry. And they were successful. And in, in many people's minds, rightly so. I mean, tobacco uh, is now pretty clear not the best thing for your health, causes yeah. lots of health damage. Lots of problems for people, um, and their assertion was, "Well, you are providing this product, and it's damaging people, and it's not healthy, and it causes lots of stress on our healthcare system. So we're suing you, and you have to pay penalties, and penalties in the form of higher taxes, penalties in the form of how you can advertise or not advertise, and all kinds of regulations." Yeah. But what mo- many people don't realize is the tobacco industry has been enormously profitable since that time period. So. It sort of worked the opposite of how people thought it would work. It's Now, it has, in some ways, with education, we've discouraged people from taking up smoking. I think we hit peak tobacco use in the, in the U.S. probably in the mid-'80s. Uh, and since then, it's been reducing, although lately we've seen a blip up with some of the, the other uh, alternative uh, ways of ingesting nic- nicotine, such as um, vaping and, and heat-but-don't-burn type products. Um, but my point is those companies in that business, in that sin stock, yeah. have been pretty darn profitable and have been pretty good stabilizers uh, in many cases um, for clients' portfolios. And and so I don't necessarily like clients tying my hands, but we have the ability to. It's their portfolio. They're the ones who get to determine what, you know, what we're going to invest in. Now, if they put too many uh, shackles on us, if they say – you know, here's how I want you to build my portfolio. I say, well, you know, maybe you should do it yourself. You've got all these yeah. rules of how you want to build wealth uh, and you're putting too many um, rules for me to do what I think is a good job for you. So we might decline them or, or say, okay, we can't re- really build that portfolio. But our vast experience is clients don't have that strong a feeling on all of the industries out there. They may yeah. have a couple of the, that they feel like, no, I don't want to partake in that. And that's fine. That's that's their their uh, choice and value, and they get to decide. Yeah. So you spoke about the specific industries versus um, the – you talked about the Vicex fund. Uh-huh. Are there a lot of different funds that you can choose from? I mean, what do – for our listeners who are maybe saying – and I know we said this wasn't supposed to be specific investment advice, but maybe for someone who's looking to say, hey, that's something that makes sense to me, but – Really, I mean, I I don't know enough about these specific companies, so maybe I want to diversify by having a fund. Um, I mean, would you look for a fund that's just all across the board vice, or would you be looking for funds that are focused on those specific industries? So maybe you'd have one weed stock fund, one tobacco fund, one alcohol fund. Would you separate it that way, or would you just go for vices as a, as a whole? Well, and that's where it does kind of break down into how Wall Street can market. Just like we said in previous episodes that, you know, some of what uh, gets marketed to people isn't necessarily what, you know, if you look under the hood, it looks like everything else. I mean, some of these things that are marketed as as good for the environment and good for social justice and so forth. And then you peel back the, the what's under there and it's maybe a, a closet S&P 500 fund. Yeah. Um, so you have to kind of watch how, how Wall Street market is. Now, most, most of our culture today views 
they might say personally, yeah, I drink alcohol or I might smoke weed or I might, I might uh, watch porn or whatever. I mean, there's lots of people who partake in these things, but don't, they don't want to necessarily advertise that they're looking yeah. for a vice fund. So there's not as big a demand out there, especially today um, in, on Wall Street to, to manufacture those kinds of products. And interestingly enough, I have I stopped using the Vice Fund a number of years ago. It became more expensive. They had a higher expense ratio, and they they really because, partly because of capital gains and partly because of the regulatory environment, they were changing the makeup of the of the actual stocks in there. Now there are some ETFs that do uh, specialize in you know sort of the Vice market, but they're usually more segmented. It's usually more like okay, I'm going to invest in a in a defense a uh, arms and defense fund, or I'm going to invest in a, uh, you know, tobacco, a uh, number of tobacco companies. Um, the, the marijuana business is still in its infancy. There are definitely lots more, uh, there's lots more attention from Wall Street packaging things up in, in terms of marijuana types of businesses. Um, but my, my recommendation would be to, first of all, and this is going to be a theme, uh, to, to look at your overall plan and you know, if you do have strong, strong views, strong value views that you want to implement in terms of your portfolio, then communicate those to a financial advisor or do some research. I mean, there are wonderful tools out there to be able to you know, find out you know, what, what is the, the charter or mission of that fund or that package of investments or to even do some specific in, uh, financial analysis on individual companies. That's part of what we do. And if a person feels comfortable and doing that themselves, then by all means, they can. Uh, most people don't do that very well. They don't have the patience or the temperament to, to make those kinds of investment calls. And that's why they, they can benefit from having a financial advisor diversify that way for them. But you can, do, you can go either way. Okay. Um, one other question. So you talked about how these vice type investings can be a good hedge against maybe market instability. Can they also be a good hedge against inflation? Because I mean, if my booze costs a dollar more, X dollars more, you'll still probably buy it or you'll maybe choose a different type, but you're maybe still staying in that same category or same thing. I would, I would assume, as you said, smokers, the price of the cigarettes went up, but they still kept buying them. The profit margins continued to grow. Yeah, I'm glad you asked that because, uh, in fact, I wrote about that. And we've talked about this in our workshop some, uh, and I wrote about it in a recent newsletter. Um, there's this idea of, you know, does a company have pricing power? And it's a wonderful thing to have if you're a company or if you're an employee, if you're, if you're an individual person. Who doesn't want pricing power? Who <laughs> yeah. doesn't want to be able to say, you need me, you want me. <laughs> And, and you're going to pay. Here's what you got to pay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that's that's the, what we mean by pricing power is that you, you're um, a company who's providing a product and maybe it's a must have. Maybe it's not really a must have, but whoever's buying it thinks they must have it. You know, for yeah. example, tobacco, maybe. Um, you know, it, it, the perception, and this has to do with an economic concept called uh, price elasticity. Um, will people make different choices? Will they fall, find alternatives if your product goes up in price? Or are they loyal to, either loyal to or really do perceive the need or really do need the, need the product? So if it's something that, uh, and, 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 you know, so some of these, these uh, so-called sin stocks do have pricing power. People, people will continue to, oftentimes they'll be brand loyal to their cigarette or to their alcoholic brand. Um, and so they have the ability to keep up with inflation. 
So inflation oftentimes, I mean, this isn't the technical definition of at all, uh, but people perceive it to mean, you know, prices are going up. It's costing me more for my stuff, for my for my uh, yeah. cost of living. And so prices are going up and so are, so are my uh, those things that I – I want to partake in that maybe other people judge as sins, but I'm going to still do them. Um, yeah. So the, the people will continue to pay the price, and that means that that kind of company can be more effective in an inflationary environment because they have that pricing power. Not always the case, and, and that's not a guarantee. But that that can't you know that that's kind of what we mean by a defensive stock is something that uh, does have that ability to say. You know, even in a difficult time, you're going to still need this and still pay for it. Um, oil stocks. Sometimes people think fossil fuels uh, are, are maybe not uh, ethical or whatever. I mean, it's hard for me to imagine since, you know, every single thing we, we depend upon in this world uh, right now is, is based on energy, first of all, and oftentimes petroleum products. But, but there are people who have that judgment and energy stocks typically do well in inflationary times. So, yeah, they can be defensive that way and they can be, as we said, uh, at least diversifiers and sometimes uh, stabilizers. Okay. So I think that probably wraps up what I have to say about we're not uh, pushers of vice stocks, but we're definitely not um, uh, opposed to when we see the uh, decent price. And obviously, if it's if, if it's something that is really uh, what I consider to be unethical, I don't put my clients into them. You know, there there are companies out there that do things that are really bad and really wrong, and we don't partake in that at all. Um, I don't consider some of these things that per- a person can do in moderation uh, to be uh, off the table as far as investing. And hopefully that educates our clients a little bit about our our process. And I want to thank everyone for listening to our podcast. We're doing this every other week on Fridays. We invite you to follow, like, friend us on our social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. All these platforms are saved as Altius Financial. And you can see it as one word and, and look for our logo and our our profile. We want to hear what you want to hear about. We invite you to tune in also on Tuesdays to get a little education about terminology. And, you know, a lot of our, a lot of the language we use in investing is foreign or doesn't quite make sense in the day-to-day culture. And so we're, we've taken it upon ourselves to give some definitions and some context to make, make them seem more accessible. Some of these terms that we use in financial planning or investing So check that out on our Terminology Tuesdays. If you're interested in setting up a financial plan, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, thoughts for us on this podcast, or you want to just meet us, us, find out about our our approach, reach out to us. Give Taylor a call. Send her an email. You can reach her at uh, taylor at altiusfinancial.com. You can reach us at our our main number, 303-584-9271. I'm at michael at altiusfinancial.com. I want to thank everybody for joining us and capitalize on your Fridays and have a fantastic weekend. Yeah, have a wonderful weekend. Thanks for joining. 